I want us to focus this morning on God, our Father. Now, you know me well enough, at least I hope you do, to know that normally in my preaching I would take a passage of Scripture and try to explain to you what God is teaching in a specific text or context or even just a word or a book like we've been doing going through the book of Colossians. Today I'm going to preach a different style of message. As a matter of fact, I talked to a man this week whose outline I am using. Now, I am using his outline because it's better than anything I could come up with. And I'm using his outline because over the last several weeks... I have needed God my Father. And these truths that I want to share with you today are stabilizing truths in our lives. And that is actually the way that Dr. Kinkaya presents these four truths as four stabilizing truths. I want to present them this way. As truths about my Father God. Number one, my Father's love for me will never change. My Father's love for me will never change. I want you to go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 with me, please. Romans chapter 8. My situation cannot change my Father's love for me. My Father's love will never change. My situation, no matter what it is, no matter how desperate, how hard, my situation cannot change my Father's love for me. We are in Romans chapter 8, go down to verse number 38. For I am persuaded, I'm going to stop there. That word persuaded means I am absolutely, firmly, totally convinced. Paul is saying, I have no doubt about what I'm about to say. But there are some people in this room who do have doubts about what I'm saying. You wonder at times... Does God really love me? I did. I did. And you know what, Dad? We teach a lot about our Father's love to our children. We teach our children a lot about how God loves His children. I am fortunate and blessed to still have both of my grandfathers. If I know anything about loving my children, I learned it from them. I learned it from my father-in-law. Other people that I would have learned or should have or could have learned how to love 
from they were the ones who abandoned our family. They were the ones who abused our family. And so, men, you and I need to be very careful that we love our family like God loves us. Here though we are, we, we can say with complete and total assurance, God loves me. And that will never change. He says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in or through Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you convinced of that? Or are there times because of what you're facing that you truly wonder about that? Death. How can a loving God let you fill in the, the blank with a name that person die? Maybe you are the one who is dying. You have a terminal disease. How can God love me and let me have cancer? Or how can God love my wife? How can God love me and let my wife suffer the way she does or my husband suffer the way he does? You understand what I'm getting at? There are other situations here that sometimes people wonder that how could God love me when what is going on right now presently in my life seems like everything is literally falling to pieces. How can God love me like that? I'm sure you've read the story before. Several years ago, there was a shooting at a church out in Texas. People died in that church, in that shooting. A reporter said or asked the pastor of that church, Where was God when all of this happened? How could a loving God let this happen? Where was he? And that pastor wisely said, The same place he was the day his son died. Right there. It may not be that we wonder about his love so much as whether or not sometimes we wonder, is God really in this? Is God really allowing this? How could this be? We'll find stability in the promise that God's love will never change. Never. My situation cannot change my Father's love for me. My own sin cannot change my Father's love for me. I think the best illustration we have of that in the Word of God is the prodigal son. And that prodigal son is like you and I. He's absolutely rebellious. He wants his own way. He wants he wants to live his own life. He doesn't want the authority structure of a home. He doesn't want his father directing his life. And so he goes to his father and he says, Father, I want my inheritance. Give me that portion of goods that falleth to me, he says. And the Bible tells us that his father divided unto them his living. You know... That wise father, and of course the, the, the main character I believe in that story is not the son, the main character is the father. That father wisely let that son have his own way. 
And you know what? There are times that my Heavenly Father does that with me. Because He knows that's the only way me and my stubbornness can learn the lessons I need to learn. So the Father divided into them as living, and the Bible tells us that son took his inheritance and he wasted his substance in riotous living. In other words, he got his own way. He did his own thing, and it took him to the pig pen. And he was so desperate, the Bible says he wanted to eat, that he was feeding the, the pigs, the husks. Now, to bring that in modern-day application, how many of you ever slapped a hog? Yeah, I have too. I wasn't hungry when I was doing it. He had to be desperate. But folks, that is a picture of the depths to which my sin can take me. We can end up in the pig pen of life, eating the slop of this world. But my father is still looking for me to come home. My sin will never change my father's love for me. Number one, my father's love will never change. Number two, my father's purpose for me is Christ-likeness. My father's purpose for me is Christ-likeness. And why is that such a stabilizing truth? Because that means that everything that happens in my life has a reason. God is in control. God is always at work. His purposes, His plans are always for my good and His glory. And the ultimate purpose He has for me as His child is to work in such a way that I am like Christ. How many times do we wish our circumstances could be different? You know how I know that some of us feel that way? Because we say things like, if I just had a better job, if I just had a nicer house, maybe you've even gotten desperate enough to say something like, you know what, if I just was married to somebody else, if I had more money, we come up with all of these circumstantial things that we wish were different. God may not want your circumstances to change, and He may be using your circumstances to get you to change. Let's put it this way. I want to be happy. Right? How many of us want that? We, we, we want to be happy. And you know what? I think God wants us to be happy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the Beatitudes and the Blessings like in Psalm 1, where, where we read, where this is how you can have true happiness. But 
But when we talk about being happy, we're talking about maybe we want our circumstances to be... We don't, we don't want a hard life. We don't want a tough life. We, we don't want to go through trials and hardships. We want to be happy. Well, you know what? God wants us holy. And we cannot truly be happy unless God is making us holy. What we think is robbing us of our happiness, all of those if things that we wish were different, those are the very things that God is using in our lives to make us holy. I wish I had a different boss. I wish I had a boss who wasn't so hard on me. I wish I had a boss who was fair. You know what? Peter says to the people he's writing to, you work under hard taskmasters and represent Christ. And grow to be like Christ through that. I wish I had more money. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You believe that? I want to be happy. God wants me holy. My Father's purpose for me is to make me like Christ. So everything that is going on in my life, God has a hand in it. God has a purpose for it. You know what for some of you it is? For some of you, the, 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 the way that God is weaving events in your life is to bring you to one point, and that is this, where you realize just how much you need God the Father. Because for some of you, maybe He's just God right now. He's not your Father. Maybe right now you cannot call him my father because you don't have a relationship with him through Christ. And yet he is working events in your life to bring you to a point where you first of all realize you are a sinner. You know what? All of us fit into that category. Every one of us is a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short. We've missed the mark of the glory of God, His sinlessness, His perfection, His majesty. None of us can hit that mark. Because of our sin, we deserve eternal punishment. For the wages of sin is death. That's eternal death. All of us are going to die someday. This body is going to die. They're going to bury this body or do something with it one of these days. But there's a part of us that's going to live somewhere forever. It's called your soul. And at the point of death, the soul is separated from the body and goes to either heaven or to eternal punishment in a lake of fire, beginning in a place called hell. If you know God as your Father because you have trust in Christ, your soul will go to heaven. If you only know God as God and not your Father, you will spend eternity separated from Him. 
And God is working in such a way and bringing people across your path and causing you to hear sermons like this or friends who are explaining the gospel to you. God is working in your life in such a way to bring you to the point where you realize you're a sinner. You realize because of your sin you deserve to spend eternity paying for your sin, being punished for your sin. And, and He's working in such a way that you realize He's your only help and hope. And so you want to call Him Father today. And so your heart cries out, Father, forgive me for being a sinner. God, forgive me for my sin, please. Please. I'm trusting Christ as my Savior today. I hope you'll do that. God's purpose for all of us is to make me like Christ. I want to be happy, but my Father wants me holy. I want relief. But my Father wants me to rejoice in my trials. Last Sunday night we talked to you from uh, about Psalm 116 and how how that psalm is written, probably by David, that psalm is written in such a way to bring us to a conclusion that all of those hard things, all of those difficult things, God does have a purpose for them and that it might be that we can thank Him for His work in our life. Think of the hard things you are struggling with right now. And let me ask you this. Are you thankful for what God is doing through those things? That is a test of true trust. When when life is hard and life is tough, life is difficult, life hurts, life stinks. And yet we can say, God, I thank you that all of these hard things are from you. You are allowing, you are working in such a way that you are making me like Christ. Number one, my Father's love for me will never change. Number two, my Father's purpose for me is Christ-likeness. Number three, my Father's word for me is the final and the right answer. My Father's word to me or for me is the final and right answer. Now here's a thought. I do not always understand my Father's ways. Isn't that true? I do not always understand my Father's ways. Go to Isaiah chapter 55. Let me show you what I'm talking about. And this this is a word picture that I hope all of us can walk away with today. Isaiah chapter 55 I want to start at verse number 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my, now God is speaking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the word picture I want you to walk away with, all right? Here's God, but up here, right? We can't even reach that high. God is up here. His thoughts and ways above our ways, so ours are way down here, all right? 
There is a there is a gap between his ways and my ways. Now let's think about that just a second. What what kind of things are we talking about as far as his ways? Well, those things that he's using to make me holy. Those things that he's using in my life uh, to make me like Christ. Those trials, those hardships, those tests, those blessings, his word. Those are his ways. They're they're up here. Our ways are down here. We wouldn't choose some of the things for ourselves that He has chosen. We think maybe we could accomplish different things or maybe even the same thing in our life at times that God uses hard things to accomplish. We, we would do things differently. So His ways are above our ways. Now, what fills in that gap? One word. Trust. Trust. Now, trust must have a foundation. Trust must have a basis. And what is that basis? This book. When I don't understand my Father's ways, I can go to what He has said and find out that I may never understand His ways, but that's okay. He's my Father, and I can trust Him. I don't understand why life is hard. I don't understand why life hurts. Let's just be real specific. I don't understand why God is allowing some of the things in our church that He is allowing. Wouldn't we do that differently? Wouldn't we? We'd keep people here that God's calling away, if we could. We would have changed sin situations. I raise her down here. We don't, we don't understand that. Now, I'm not saying God is responsible for the sin, but He's at work involved in that situation. But we would have it differently, but His ways are up here. So how, how can we keep going? How can we continue on? How can we be encouraged? How can we have joy? The gap is filled with trust. And we can trust Him. Because He always, He always, He always keeps His word. This is the final authority on everything true. Dr. Jim Berg said something one time that I had just kind of go, okay, and it was this. Nothing can be true and not true at the same time. Now think about that. Nothing can be true and not true at the same time. How do we apply that? God is always good. Is that true all the time? Yes. If that is true all the time, can it ever be not true? No. God loves me. Is that true all the time? Answer me. Yes. 
then can it ever be not true? No. But I say to you so often, God is always good. He only wants the best for my life. That is always true. So it can never be not true. And where do those principles come from? Where do those truths come from? They come from what God says. So the gap between His ways and our ways is trust. And that trust is based upon the final authority of the Word of God. I may not always understand my Father's ways. I may never understand my Father's ways. But I can always trust His Word. Number one, my Father's love for me will never change. Number two, my Father's purpose for me is Christ's likeness. Number three, my Father's Word to me or for me is the final and right authority. Number four, my Father's grace for me is sufficient. And that word almost seems inadequate there. Because how does the Bible describe God's grace? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that my Father's grace is always available. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple went from top to bottom symbolizing the access that we now have into the very presence of God. The writer of Hebrews, who took many of those Old Testament illustrations and brought them into New Testament application, says in Hebrews chapter 4, we now can approach the throne of, say it, grace. The very seat of God the place from which he is in control of all creation and in control of my little life, the very throne upon which he sits is, is, is grace. It's always available. I can always go into his presence for that divine enabling I don't have, for that divine strength that is not my own, I, I can go into his presence when I'm facing temptation. Father, I can't do this. You know my flesh. I will yield if you don't give grace. And he gives it. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, that God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. You know what part of that includes? His grace. Father, I don't have answers here. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I, 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 all I know is I, I can't handle this without your grace. You know what? Many of us have failed there. I have. And the writer of Hebrews tells us exactly what happens when we don't find or appropriate the grace of God in situations in life and he needs it. He tells us in chapter 12, looking diligently, lest any man fail, fall short of, not, don't, we don't appropriate, we don't ask for, we don't ask God to give 
Grace, looking diligently lest you may fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know what happens when we don't go for that grace that is always available? We end up bitter. We end up angry. We end up resentful. That's why the next verse he says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. My friend, if you have failed to approach the throne of grace about a situation in your life and you have, you're finding yourself bitter and angry and resentful because of that, you need to practice holiness. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to ask Him for the grace that you could have had all along. My Father's grace is always available. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verse number 8. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8. And God is able. Understatement of all time. God is able. He is able to make, now notice this, all grace. Now look at every time you see the word all here or some form of the word all. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have in all sufficiency in all things may abound to all or every good work. You know what? That verse covers everything. And says everything about grace that we really need to know. We have all of God's grace available to us at all times for everything in life we face. My Father's grace is always available. But also, my Father's grace is always abundant. That's why I say the, the, the stabilizing truth, my Father's grace for me, is sufficient. The idea of the word sufficient doesn't seem enough. Take your Bibles back to the book of Romans and chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Go on to verse number 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, the term there, abound, which refers to the offense or sin, uh, and the term which refers to grace are actually two different terms. When we're talking about sin abounding, we're talking about over and above. We're talking about the fact that there is, let's call it this way, a flood of sin. And we've seen pictures of floods recently and the devastation that they can cause. 
So let's talk about a flood of sin with that word abound. When we get down to the fact that grace did much more abound, what you have there would be like what we saw in Katrina, the floods in New Orleans and, and those surrounding areas would be like Noah's flood in comparison. So where sin abounds and floods our lives, the grace of God literally washes over and keeps coming. It's the picture of standing on the seashore. And we had the privilege of traveling uh, into Canada several years ago and, and watching places in the, up, in, up in the state of Maine where you have a rocky shoreline. Literally, when the water, uh, when the ocean crashes into the shore, you, you see the spray uh, fly through the air. That's the idea of the grace of God. It's literally rushing and continually coming in. There's a never-ending supply. It's always available. And all those sin floods our life, grace can watch over us. And it's always sufficient for everything in our lives. Do you remember that song, God is so good? Sing it with me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Stop. Do you believe that? My Father loves me. My Father's purpose for me is Christ-likeness. My Father's word for me is the final and right authority. My Father's grace is sufficient. God, my Father, is so good. Let's bow our heads together, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed.